Uh, all right, this is going to be really hard for me because I do not like being tied to this thing, but I will do my best, all right? So here we go. Uh, four Gospels, uh, one uh, Jesus. The idea is that we're looking at each one of the Gospel accounts with the life of Jesus Christ. We talked about Matthew last week. Matthew writes to Jews. He presents Jesus Christ as king. Our question last week was, how are you going to serve your king this week? And I hope that you found, found a way to do that. Um, each gospel writer focuses on something different. This morning, we're going to look at the gospel of Mark. Um, what's interesting in the gospel of Mark is there's no record of the birth of Christ. And we'll talk about why in a minute. Uh, it's written by a guy by the name of John Mark. Uh, John uh, was his Jewish name. Mark was his Latin name. Uh, John Mark is someone who, uh, he had been influenced by Barnabas. He had been influenced by Paul, uh, influenced by Peter. And uh, is a really interesting character in the book of Acts. <coughs> the um, book is really unique in that it is the shortest and the simplest of the Gospels. It's very fast-moving account of the life of Jesus Christ. Um, kind of the Reader's Digest version of Christ. If you want to know a lot about Christ in a very short book, Mark is your book. Um, it's probably the first of the four Gospels that were written. So it's probably the earliest. Uh, it's written to the Romans. The Romans were people of action. They were uh, soldiers. They were warriors. They were conquerors. They were rulers. Um, this is a great book for farmers. It's a great book for rural people, and here's why. It is a simple, plain, action-oriented book. Uh, it's interesting. Out of Jesus told 70 parables. Only 18 of them are mentioned in Mark. You know why? Parables are about talk. This isn't a book about talk. This is a book about action. Uh, we have 35 recorded miracles of Christ. 18 of them are mentioned in Mark. More are mentioned in Mark than in the other Gospels. Uh, why? Because it's a book of action. It's a book that focuses on what you do, not what you say. So when Mark looks at the life of Jesus Christ, he's going to spend a lot of time focusing on what Jesus did, not what Jesus said. Um, it is... Uh, it is a book of present tense. Uh, over 150 times he uses the idea of uh, immediately straight uh, action-oriented, um, present kind of things that were happening. Uh, so when we look at a book like that, we have a theme that emerges about Jesus. And it comes, the theme that you see in the book of Mark is that Jesus is a servant. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of passages this morning and, and learn some things. But Mark focuses on the idea of Jesus as a servant. So, here's a question. Is the birth of a servant important? No. What does a servant do? He serves. Nobody cares about his birth. So when Mark talks about Jesus, there's no reason to talk about his birth. Why? He's presenting Jesus as a servant. No one cares when a servant was born. No one cares who the servant's parents are. No one cares about the servant's background. No one cares. They just want to talk about the servant and what the servant does. And so when Mark talks about it, you see this idea of everything's related to Jesus 
as he serves. That's why so many, so many um, references to his miracles and not his parables. Um, the story of Jesus in the temple where he's, where he's teaching, not mentioned in Mark. Why? A, a servant doesn't teach. In fact, often in the book of Mark, when you see the reference to Jesus, uh, he's referred, he uses, whenever Jesus is used in an exalted position, he's referred to as master. Why? That's servant language. Servant master. That's servant kind of language. Um, over and over again, uh, 18 miracles uh, that are mentioned. This is a very service-oriented book. So when we look at Jesus, the one thing that Mark wants us to learn about Jesus, just like Matthew wanted us to see Jesus as a king, Mark wants us to see Jesus as a servant. And so over and over and over again, you're going to see that kind of idea. So one of the key passages, two key passages we're going to look at this morning. Here's the first one. Mark, I can't leave. Mark 10. When the 10 heard this, okay, so let me give you a background. Um, in this story, James and John's mother comes to Jesus, and he said, and she asked a, a favor of him. So Jesus, I got a favor to ask him. When you start ruling and doing this kingdom thing, will you let my two little boys, James and John, sit on your right hand and your left hand? Now, the problem with this is, first of all, mommy is asking. Okay, that's bad enough. Okay. So, so mom's learned something here, all right? The second thing that's bad about this is she does it in the presence of the other disciples. So they know what's going on. And so needless to say, this is a problem because Mary had a good relationship with Jesus. And now the disciples are all upset. You know, how dare Jesus listen to her? So notice what happened. So Jesus realizes now he has to, he, he's got a conflict with his group, with his, with his disciples. So he's got to do some conflict resolution stuff. So he gets everybody together. And he said, calls them together and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. He says, okay, guys, let's understand in the world out there, Position and power are important things. And we would say that today. Position and power in our world are things that people tend to want to pursue. Jesus explains to them. He says, not so with you. He said, we're not going to do it that way. My kingdom, my world is not about that. That's for the Gentiles. That's for people outside of my kingdom. He said, he goes on to say, instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man <coughs> did not come to be saved, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He said, look, guys, here's what I'm modeling for you right now. I came to serve. The Christmas story <coughs> is the story, and don't worry, I have water up here. I'm not going to use it unless I need it. Um, uh, the Christmas story is one in which what Jesus does is he takes God and he wraps human flesh around himself. 
And he says, I'm going to become like them. I'm going to learn. And, and, and when, you, when you get into the incarnation and you get into all of this, it, it, it's mind-boggling. God, who has never slept, is now going to have to sleep. God, who has never eaten, is now going to have to eat. God, who has never been tired, now is going to get tired at the end of the day. God, who has never walked, is now going to walk. He's going to put on sandals. He's going to wear clothes. He's going to experience heat and cold. God is going to do that. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, I came not to be served. I didn't come as God and say, worship me as God. I came to minister to the people that I came to reach. That's what you do. You're my disciples. You serve just like I am serving. When Paul writes, uh, to the church at Philippi, here's how he says it. And, and Mark and Philippians are really closely tied together. He said, in your relationships with one another, have the same mind as Jesus. Who being in the very nature of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. At no time did God take advantage of his position. God said, I am going to come as Jesus and I am going to minister to them and I will allow them to abuse me I will allow them to crucify me I will allow them to do things to me and at no time will I pull rank on them that's what he's saying rather he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of a cross. He comes to this statement, and, and Paul says, you want to know how you and I are to act to the people around us? The same way Jesus acted when he came to this earth. Mark spends the whole time showing Jesus as a servant. So one of the first things that we learn about Jesus and, and, and everything, even in his birth, even in a book of Mark, which doesn't record it, is the idea that he's a servant. Mark chapter 8, there's a fascinating statement too, which tells us a second thing about it, and here's what it says. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. At this point, people were starting to follow Jesus, and uh, he was becoming popular. And as he started to become popular, one of the things that happens is people start to follow, and they want to be a part of the crowd and everything else. And so Jesus, went, and here's what's interesting. When you look at the life of Jesus, as the crowd gets bigger, his message gets more narrow because he tries to exclude people who aren't really all in. And this is one of the things that he does. Here's what he said. And they called the crowd to him along with his disciples. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. They didn't have a problem with that. And take up their cross. Now we have a problem. And follow me. <clears throat> when you read that, that kind of blows off the back of our minds as Americans. We don't think of a big deal because to us, a cross is something that uh, we treasure and we value and we put around our neck and we 
put on jewelry and we put on bumper stickers and we put it at the front of our auditorium. It's something that we celebrated. That wasn't so in this culture. Um, a, a modern day equivalent would be this. If Jesus would stand, if Jesus were here today, here's, here's how he would paraphrase this. This is what he would say. If you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself and you need to be willing to go to the electric chair for me. If you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself and allow him to strap you to a gurney and lethally inject you and die. That's what you need. Now, how many of you would stand up and go, yes, electrocute me for Christ's sake. Yes, give me lethal injection. That was the culture. That was what the cross was associated with in this day. It was not anything grand and glorious. It was the worst of the worst. The people who were crucified, the people who died that way, no one wanted to be associated with them. And so when Jesus says this, he's excluding a lot of people who are going, you know what, yeah, I'll deny myself, but I'm not going to go that far with you. He goes on to say this, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for the gospel, for my sake, for me and for the gospel, will save it. What good is it if somebody gains the whole world and forfeits their soul? Or what can someone give in exchange for their soul? He addresses this idea of you have to decide what it's really like to follow me. And Jesus looks at these people and says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to sacrifice. He set the example by sacrificing it all. He willingly goes to the cross. And that's something that you have to understand. At any moment, he could have played the God card. At any moment, Jesus could have said, you know what, these people aren't worth it. At any moment, he could have looked at the Heavenly Father and said, Father, I'm done. I, 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 this is just too much. But he willingly goes to the cross. He willingly wraps himself in human flesh. He willingly becomes a child. He willingly lives his life on this earth for us. It's an incredible sacrifice. Um, and it's a lesson that we learned in this book about Jesus. So one of the things, that, two of the things that you see really in the life of Jesus in this, in this, this is really hard for me today. Ah. Uh, one of the things, two of the things that you see are the idea of sacrifice and the idea of service. So here's my question. A um, couple of things I think that will help us as we head out into the week. First of all, what are you doing? This is a book about action. Talk is important. But honestly, and this is what I love about farmers, talk is cheap. Tell me what you do. Don't tell me what you say. And you know as well as I do, we have about this much tolerance for somebody who does a lot of talking with no action. That's why some of you are so fed up with politics. Because there's a lot of talk, and there ain't a lot happening. And that gets frustrating to us. Why? Because we are people of action. It should be the same with Christianity. I have about this much tolerance for Christians who are all talk and no walk. If we're going to be a Christian, then let's walk it, 
as well as talk it. And that's one of the things we learn about Mark. When he talks about Jesus, he talks about what he does. He doesn't put a lot of emphasis on what he says. And there's a great lesson there for us as we head into this Christmas season. Second thing, it's about serving other people. One of the things that you learn about Jesus in a Christmas story is Jesus came to serve. So here's a question. Who are you going to serve this week? I'm not talking about people that you are naturally in your orbit that you have to serve, quote-unquote, like your spouse and your kids and your family and stuff like that. I'm talking about people outside of that. Who are you going to serve this week? Who are you going to minister to this week? Who are you going to step outside of your comfort zone and serve? Who's it going to be? Or is this life going to be all about, or is this week going to be all about you? See, it's easy to get wrapped up in our world. But as a Christian, just like Jesus came to serve, we are called to serve. So serve. And you go, well, you know, one day I'm going to. One day, you may not have one day. But you do have today. You do have this week. You do have this moment. You do have this time. So what are you going to do with it? You go, well, you don't know how busy I am. Okay, I'm not going to try to be cruel or mean or anything like that here, but let me ask you something. Are you busier than Christ was in his mission on this earth? He had the most important mission in all the world. He made time for what he needed to make time for. It's fascinating to me. When you, look, when you, you want to do a time study on the life of Christ, it's an amazing time management study on how he spent his time and where he spent his time. There's a, great, there's a lot of great lessons in there for all of us. But he came to serve. He came to make it about other people, not about himself. The other thing is this. He came to sacrifice. <clears throat> what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to sacrifice for the cause of Christ? There's some of you in here this morning that you may not even be a Christian. And, and the thing that's holding your back is this. You're afraid that if you become a Christian, you're worried about what your family's going to think what your friends, what your social group is, what your neighbors are going to think. You're worried about how, it's going to, how everybody's going to stop for a minute and ask yourself, if anyone's going to follow Christ, they have to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow them. You've got to be willing to sacrifice it all. You've got to be willing to say, you know what, if my family rejects me, my family rejects me, but I'm going to follow Christ. If my friends don't want to be friends anymore, that's their problem, not mine. If people push me aside now because I'm a Christ follower, then so be it. That's what he calls us to do. He calls us to sacrifice. For those of you that are Christians, my question to you this morning is the idea of, have you gotten to the point in your Christian world that it's about you or about who you can minister to? One of the great things I love about this place is the willingness of people to sacrifice and to minister to other people. And I hope we never lose that. But let me get really specific here this morning. Some of you have taken the time this month or this year to say, hey, pastor, will you pray for so-and-so? Will you pray for so-and-so? And we have as a church. That's a lot of talk, too. Yes, we prayed for him, and there's a walking part of that, but we're going to give you the opportunity this Christmas season to take it to the next step and interact with them 
we're going to give you the opportunity that we will provide a basket of all kinds of, of snacks and fruits and everything else so that not only can you tell them we prayed for you, but weeks and months after their deal is passed, you can walk back up to them and say, look, we want you to know we haven't forgotten. We still care. Here's an action that goes along with our talk. And some of you will take advantage of that. And some of you won't. And some of you go, well, you know, do you know how hard it would be to go to all those people? Walk or talk. Ministry or not? You go, well, I don't need to do that. Then do something else. But it's important that we take what God has given us and use it in order to be able to influence and impact. And like we talked about in Sunday school this morning, be a light in a really dark world. And I want to challenge you because the one thing that we learn from the book of Mark about Jesus, do we learn a lot about the Christmas story per se? No. But we learn a lot about Jesus and the fact that he's a servant. He came to sacrifice. And he sets an example for you and I as we go into the Christmas season. To do what? To serve and to sacrifice. Because that's what our Savior did. And if we want to follow in his footsteps, if we want to be a Christ follower, a Christ disciple, then we need to do the same. So I challenge you as we come to the end of this morning. Jesus came to serve and to sacrifice. His life was not one of ease or comfort. It was a life dedicated to the will of the Father. May each of you be challenged to serve and sacrifice for someone else this Christmas season. Just as Jesus demonstrated in his life, it's not about you or me. Real living is a life dedicated in sacrifice and service to God and others. Let God use you this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, so often during this season, we kind of focus on stuff that is fun, but it's not important. Lord, May you help us to refocus some things. May you help us to look past uh, all of the trappings and the things that often go along with this season that we could really see opportunities to help, encourage, uplift, challenge people. Lord, may you use us this week. Lord, lay on our hearts somebody we can serve and sacrifice for. Lord, may they be able to see Christ in us. And may you use us this season, Lord. Uh, to be a light in a very, very dark world. These things we ask in your name.